Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Jason from Frozen Carbonite. This week, we punch a hole in the sky with Uma Landsleds, but first, Consent is Rad. The Consent is Rad campaign launched two years ago this week at Pushing Borders. Since then, it's popped up all over the place, including in Thrasher and on Tony Hawk's Twitter. Dr. Indigo Willing is one of the founders, so we thought we'd get her on the show and get into it. Dr. Willing, thanks so much for being on the show. So what is Consent is Rad? Well, okay, so Consent is Rad is run by skaters for skateboarders, really just getting the message out there that consent is something that we should talk about in everyday life and really to start thinking about some of the boundaries we need in skateboarding but bringing skateboarders in to have that conversation so you know getting people like Rick McCrank or you know Keir Johnson or you know Kristina Belling all these people just sort of saying you know like this is I'm from a scene just like you where you skateboard you know consent <laughs> and you know let's have that conversation you know let's normalize it basically. So when when you say consent like what like, what are you getting at? Like, what are, what are we asking people to consent to? got some general ways we can talk about it. So on our Instagram, Consent is Rad, we have this Breaking the Cycle campaign, which uh, was put together by a group of, you know, skateboarders from various backgrounds, sort of running through what scenarios you would want to have consent. And it's really just guidelines for respecting people's boundaries, knowing when you've crossed the line, and really just tidying up some of the... Uh, things that were okay in skateboarding in the past, which now just don't, they're just not good for you. So it doesn't really reflect where, you know, skateboarding's at. Like a definition of consent, if I can give it, is it's an enthusiastic yes. Um, and it isn't a ticket to control others. So you can't coerce people into consent. You can't guilt them into consent. Uh, you can change your mind. So if somebody says yes initially and then they change their mind, that needs to be respected. And, you know, if somebody's like, you know, uh, passed out, you know, that's not consent. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things. So if somebody's a minor, uh, again, they can't consent. So, you know, in the past we'd look at, say, you know, like even in our movies or, you know, things like um, American Pie, like there's all these jokes that everyone thought was really funny, like, you know, kissing a passed out cheerleader or, you know, taking a video of somebody without them knowing of them getting changed. It's like, haha, really funny. But it's like, actually, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff, no, it doesn't fly. That's actually creepy. Makes you a big kook. It's no longer sort of even a joke now. It's, it's pretty, you know, um, upsetting for people that might have experienced that. So it's kind of just bringing, bringing skateboarding to reflect where we're at as well. Like, you know, the graphics in skateboarding shops, you know, it's, skateboarding's changed so much the market. Like people that are going in there to buy a, a Unity board or a board from there or Meow or, you know, any, you know, a lot of the boards really that have um, different people on their team, you know, they're going to react if they see skateboards that are just, you know, wall-to-wall objectifying women, you know. (laughs) So it's definitely at this stage where it's like, you know, actually we're just going to, like, you know, respect people and present them in a way that's, you know, actually how anybody would want to be seen, like, you know, really moving it from that kind of jock, you know, creepy, (laughs) creeper behaviour and less sleazy and more stoke. I like that, less sleazy, more stoke. So I got some I got some follow up questions and they're going to go in a couple of different directions. Um, so the first one is specifically about the discussion about consent, um, especially with regards to skating's new profile or its changing profile. It's become much less of a rebel activity. We're just coming off of the first appearance of skateboarding in the Summer Olympics. So 
One question I have is for those of us who are sports fans, we have an understanding that if you sign on to a team for whatever professional sport, that there's usually going to be a code of conduct on the court, on the pitch, as well as off the court, off the pitch, off the field, whatever, that you are going to be held responsible for your behavior, not only when you're on the job handling that ball, but also out when you're out you doing your private thing, you know, in your personal life. Uh, this doesn't really exist for most skateboarding companies, and a lot of them are, as skater Ed Templeton put it, mom-and-pop operations that run out of a garage, and even the largest skate companies are, they're figuring it out as they go along, even yeah. if they're successful. Yeah. How, what does the industry need to do to establish a standard of conversation about sexual consent, um, especially with people whose whole thing is like, you get into skating because... You don't want anybody telling you what to do, but we live in a different world and we have different standards as a society and as as individuals. Yep. It's a really good question. I'm glad that you asked that because we're all um, seeing skateboarding just totally explode. And, you know, we we love it because it doesn't have rules. And so, you know, the various ways to go about consent, it's not always having, you know, it's not like having some sort of you know, organization where this is our policy and slapping it down. Like grassroots efforts count a lot too. Um, and in fact, they probably do more good, you know, on the ground and help more people than, you know, elite skate companies where, you know, you're talking to maybe five skateboarders at a time. Where it's been really helpful, I think, is um, for industry and others just to talk to skateboarders uh, before they're on staff and before they join the team about what's expected of them. Uh, so then there's no way it's like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, texting a 16-year-old was wrong. Like, you're just not going to have that conversation. Stop putting skateboarders on pedestals as if they're heroes. Like a lot of these pro skateboarders, you know, they're superhuman. Like you go to any park, there's like the local hero and you really look up to them. And I think what stops us from pointing out their bad behaviours is because we, we don't want to be disappointed in them and we feel loyal to them and we admire them. But it's actually, you know, like all skateboarders are humans. So, you know, you might like them or they might have helped you or given you some free stuff, but you don't have to like how they're behaving to people and to particular people. They might be somebody's homie, but if they're treating, you know, somebody's, you know, little sister incorrectly, that's, you know, that's not on. So really understanding that conflicting feeling we feel when we look at skateboarders we admire is an important part of this process. So I think at the moment we just really need to put a lot of effort into listening, getting a lot of guidance from people most likely to be affected by abusive people. And, you know, we've got to learn things and revise them. It's just like skateboarding. It's kind of practice. And then tweaking things and thinking, okay, like this works, this doesn't. So uh, with something like the Break the Cycle campaign, I wasn't sure if we're going to cover that later, but we had a lot of people help us. So we had a, uh, an industry person who's a pro skater. She doesn't want to be mentioned. She wants to just work behind the scenes. So I won't mention the name, but we had, you know, people that are on the ground that do meetups. We had people like Cava Garcia Marquez who does the... Um, Bronx Girl Skate. We had Manu Barbier, who's written for skatism and sort of, you know, speak, spoken to a whole lot of pro skaters. We had people from the skate scene from all over the place kind of just advising us what kind of message to share about to skateboarders in industry, but also just at your local scene. So getting the language right, like not being really preachy about it, but literally just something that's digestible and has some guidelines. Um, and it was really cool. Like, you know, we had like mentors and um, also backers like, you know, Carl Beachy was really helpful. Weekend skateboards had some stuff go down and they really, you know, were good allies and did something. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, we're also like people have big like learning curves. So one of the ways that I think industry is changing is there are groups like Skate Like a Girl that run the Skate Ally program. 
and they will be hired by people like skateboarder, you know, brands or, you know, those skate camps that you have in America that are super huge and do these workshops. Again, so the people on the front line, like the coaches or, you know, everybody in a company has to go through and do at least, you know, like three stages of what consent looks like, scenarios practicing it, and also, you know, well, what exists if we do have an issue? Probably the last thing I'd really mention that was super, super cool, um, again, with Skate Like a Girl, but just some grassroots efforts by some local teenagers was there was a scene uh, in California, one of the parks, like there were some older dudes like picking on minors and doing things that, you know, really uncalled for and super, super dodgy and sketchy. And in the past, you know, nobody would have known what to do, but like those teenagers reached out to Skate Like a Girl, uh, skateboarding, you know, groups, and they held a big event so that they could have that critical mass to say, look at this park and any other park really, you know, like uh, those kind of people are in the majority and we're watching and we can see everybody and we're not going to stand for this. And thankfully, you know, they also got allies just to write consent as red on their boards. So people that rock up to the skate park can just say, okay, like, you know, that person's probably going to be an ally. You know, that person's probably not going to, you know, be surprised if I ask them, you know, to help me out if anyone's bothering me, like these sorts of things. You know, just uh, haven't been done before, but for the past three years, we've just had the critical mass of people to roll these things out and test them and try them. Which then leads me to a, a follow-up question. Um, I've worked in a couple of pretty high-profile professional environments in which there were major uh, instances of sexual harassment, um, as well as one which actually spilled over into the tabloid pages. Uh, this was about the time that the Me Too conversation really started moving on, you know, actually started gaining some traction here in the US. And so my follow-up question is this, whenever you have an assembly or a training at work, it almost feels like, it feels like when you're in school, specifically middle school. Um, so I guess um, for Australia or any other countries which have the Commonwealth system, like grammar school or O-levels, and they do an assembly and it's just everybody's excuse to either not give a shit yeah. not pay attention yeah. or just act a fool. And it's like, we're all grown adults here and you have people who are on their phones the entire time doing yeah. this. It could be diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Yeah. It could be sexual harassment or, or yeah. sexual harassment training. And it feels like more often than not, it just goes over people's heads or yeah. they're just like, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Yeah. Like, how do you get over that barrier, especially in a space like skateboarding where you know there's going to, there, yeah. there's definitely a reactionary bent in skateboarding where there be people be like, I wasn't going to do that shit. Why do I need to be in training anyway? Yeah. So again, really important question that, you know, mainstream sports don't really have a have, you know, the perfect answers to. But I think skateboarders are pretty, you know, we're we're made up of people that are really creative, smart, strong, DIY culture where it's like, you know, we don't need to always formalize how we take action. We don't always need to, you know, do this. I think it, it should be done. I reckon put people through that <laughs> because it's it's yet yeah, you know, it, it, it even if they're like only listen to a quarter of that, that's something that they still need to listen to. They have done research, at least in Australia, with sporting um, organisations where if you actually do scenarios, that sinks in a lot more than if you just sit and watch PowerPoint slides or something. So it's like really, really proper situations like you're on tour and, you know, somebody's passed out there, you come into your hotel room, what are you going to do? Like literally running through those things. It's like, because, you know, like if I was on tour, you know, and I, I ran a consent, you know, sort of thing, I co-founded something, I wouldn't know what to do half the time. So having the, the practice with somebody say, okay, well, like, you know, this is what, you know, this is what would be a good thing to do or try to do. But also um, the community itself is really, really 
good and has like so many people from different backgrounds. So for the second anniversary of Consent is Red, we're going to have an interview series where we talk to people that have had solutions in the community, skateboarders. Some of them do work in sexual violence prevention. So we're talking to like uh, a group called Chub Rolls, which are super, super sick and they're about body positivity and all genders and ages skateboarding. And they just contacted me because they went to that event in California and said, you know, we really like what you do and this is our background. How can we help? I'm like, well, let's, you know, let's talk about some things from your professional background and also in the world of skateboarding, how can we put some info out there? Uh, But also we've got like somebody who, you know, their, their girlfriend was, you know, approached by like a professional skateboarder and apparently he's got like a serial problem with this and he complained to a particularly big magazine and, you know, it was sort of like a really offhandish kind of response they had and, you know, eventually he got some good results though. You know, the person behind that social media account with the big magazine apologised and said, you know, I get so many things and I just never realised that, you know, the context and, you know, I think that's wrong and this is, you know, what we're going to do about that. And, you know, maybe it's performative, maybe it's not, but even performative stuff is performing something. Like if we perform things, if we do things, that's better than just sitting around and, you know, looking on our screens and thinking something should happen. But also, yeah, like industry reaching out to the brand saying, hey, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to be accountable? So, yeah, I mean, when in, we know there's situations where skateboarders, and particularly ones that people look up to, have had some consequences. Um, so it's really important to understand how people got that kind of outcome and then the next thing is also well you know how do we like it's not just good just making people disappear because they go somewhere else so it's also like what happens after that like after maybe somebody's removed from the team what happens to them then like you know what's what's like a longer term you know steps that we're taking to you know keep the community healthy and safe and everything else yeah you mentioned uh weekend before i think if i recall correctly when all that shit went down um, Grant, I assume it was Grant, Isura, like made an Instagram post about it and then said like, we're donating whatever X amount from this week's sales or this month's sales to some organization. You know what I mean? So that, that's something that could be done at, like, as a form of accountability, I think. I think that was a pretty strong move on their part. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, that kind of allyship, like stepping in there. And, um, you know, um, there was another company that had a, a coach that, you know, did something really shit something really terrible sorry and um you know we asked them are you going to post some sort of statement about this and it was you know or we've we've removed them and that's it and it's like well that's not enough so you know it really is trying to think about well what what is something that is um going to have some sort of solutions based and what's something that's just you know like reactionary and yeah so we're just learning as we go but also good good examples of allyship and you know pretty sort of you know um ones that could improve a lot (laughs) so we talked about what we can do as individuals, what a scene yep. or a crew can do, yep. um, but what should companies be doing? I know that there was some discussion right before COVID, companies were talking about establishing some kind of a stand, a handful of companies were talking about establishing some kind of a standard for being a team manager, because yep. being a team manager, when you're taking a bunch of people on tour, you might end up being in a situation in which like you, you know, you're effectively the apparent or you're effectively a guardian in situations where you've got uh, minors coming on tour with you, you're managing, you know, you're managing everybody's passports, you're managing travel, you are making sure people are fed, giving out the per diem. Hopefully, you know, first aid and can can handle a, a, yep. a medical emergency. Do you think that adding uh, consent training and, you know, I don't want to say behavioral, but like, I guess, yeah, like, uh, should there be uh, consent training that goes into that? Because, again, yeah. like the, the team, like, 
when we were all, you know, we're all over 30, I'll just put it at that. But when we were all younger, yeah. especially in 1990s, there were always these stories of some of our favorite companies. Mm. It would be the oldest person in the van would be like 19. Yeah. 19. And it's you and a bunch of 15 and 16 year olds driving across America. And you are in charge of doling out the money, taking them from spot to spot, from yeah. contest to contest. Yeah. And a 19 year old, 19 year olds can be pretty smart and pretty, pretty responsible, but without some kind of structure that can, we can see why things happened and why things continue to happen. Do you think it's a good idea that companies should think about having a standard for a team manager, not just like, oh, that's the homie. They don't really skate anymore, but yeah. you know, they're really good with the company and we want to keep them on the payroll. So they're going to drive the van and handle shit. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And, uh, you know, the I think when you hit on it before as well, like these small companies are also just, you know, uh, putting teams together and taking them on the tour somewhere. So partly there's like the behind the scenes stuff that will be policies and training and all of that. And a lot of skate companies will never even get close to those sorts of resources. So I think what's important is um, just putting it all out there. So, yeah, put in something consent will People take it seriously. I don't know, but it's certainly better than not having any, starting from that point of shock or guilt. Like when, when somebody's accused and you know them and we all know somebody, like I don't care what scene you're from, you ask around or you just Google something, you know, you're going to find in your city or in your scene or in your state, somebody is doing something that's, you know, um, abusive or a harasser or a creep. So we've got to get over this thing about shock we're going to have to work out our loyalties because we do feel loyal to people that are charming and nice to us. Like a lot of abusers, they're not like creepy, like jumping out of the bush. They're like charming. They're fun. You know, like they, they, they sort of, that's how they, they groom people. They groom friends around the victim as well. Um, so we're just going to, yeah, really have a whole bunch of strategies to deal with this. So, yeah, the training for the tour managers uh, is great, but also um, having things like, you know, break the cycle campaign, handing that out at skate shops, uh, having it online when magazines like Thrasher or Free Skate or Solo Magazine or over here we've got like Grass Fed and we're talking to a few others, you know, the Spanish skateboarders translated the Break the Cycle campaign on their own, you know, time. Having those things out there also just gets it in people's mind like, okay, like, you know, I was at that party and I, I felt like, you know, that was a bit sus what was going on, but I also didn't know really what to do. Like once it's in writing to you, it, it really helps mobilize you a bit more. Like, okay, I've seen that I should go and ask that person, are you okay? Or tell that person, that person's drunk too much. Like, dude, just, you know, space, give them space. You know, let's get some water for you. Or, you know, even asking like skateboarders that are in a scene that don't feel, you know, comfortable around particular parts. Like be their safe buddy. Like, you know, reach out and say, we're, we're skateboarding now and there's no way there's going to be any sleazy people or any creeps or any abusers when we're here, like everyone come skate now. So there's a whole bunch of organizations and groups and just crews out there that are doing stuff that I think is needed in combination with that higher level uh, training. And it's good that they're doing. And like, you know, like I said, Skate Like a Girl have that Skate Allies program. And there's some Swedish skateboarders that do, um, I think it's called FATTA. Like there's various groups around the world that, you know, really putting in the work, just trying to make these uh, strategies available and seen. So. You know, if we if we don't know, we don't know. But once we know, then we feel like, okay, maybe we better do something. Then this is more like for everybody, uh, but particularly you, Dr. Willing, kind of a one-two punch. You're in Australia. 
we're in the United States, both of which are countries that are founded, uh, were founded as settler colonies in which there is like a very, very, very strong sense of machismo in which there is definitely, that is, that's definitely reflected in parts of skateboarding. It's not the whole of skateboarding, but let's remember skateboarding came from Cal Southern California in the 1960s to the 1980s and 90s. Uh, that really shaped a lot of the way that skateboarding is, that a lot of skate subcultures and also even like the skateboard industry. Yeah. And so there's definitely going to be, and there have been those people who will dismiss this entire podcast, this whole conversation as quote unquote, woke bullshit. Mm -hmm. So how do we foster a conversation with like, cause like the rest of us here, like we're, you know, we're cis straight men living in America today. You know, how do we have this conversation in such a way that we can pull it back from its academic roots? Because the conversation about consent and a lot of the language about uh, privilege yeah. does come from academia. And yeah, we're all like breaking, break, breaking the cycle doesn't. We, we tried really hard to speak to all kinds of skateboarders to get that right. Literally mm -hmm. a team of 11 skateboarders, real OGs, uh, everybody. So that mm -hmm. was one of our fears. You, you hit the nail on the head. Like, how do we communicate without, like, you know, like just getting lost in the language and of it all? So that's a really good point. But mm -hmm. yeah, the break the cycle really tried to, and same like Thrasher, like we could have published in skatism easily, right? But we know who reads that. We want, like, you know, like 11 to, you know, 15-year-olds looking at it and thinking, oh, okay, like, you know, and either ignoring it and then when something happens, oh, shit, I'm going to, like, fish out, you know, that issue and, you know, what can I do kind of thing. Like, that's an important thing I think that needs to happen. And the skateboarders we have as well, like, you know, on the site we have, um, like I said, you know, we've got uh, all kinds of skateboarders, all genders, all pro skaters, just, you know, people out there working in the community from, you know, Peru, from India, like definitely consulting widely as well. So it's not just this Eurocentric version of skateboarding that we think we need to be woke about. Definitely part of the problem of skateboarding that culture is because there was, you know, like no representation. So like, you know, this, this consent sort of came up, I should mention my co-founders, Evie, Ryder, Tora Waldron, Millie Miljevec, you know, really, you know, they're the co-founders of this, but also just the people that we've been reaching out to has been really, really important. So I think I, I sent some notes before as well that we wouldn't have been able to launch something like Consent is Red had the scene not changed. So I arrived in 2014 in skateboarding and things, you could tell things were changing, right? So in 2016, Brian Anderson, you know, is openly gay and people that you would expect to be really homophobic and, you know, freak out were like, hey, that's cool, right? So, you know, you have companies like, you know, their skateboards, you have you know, it used to be just Alyssa Steamer or, you know, Marissa Del Santos or, you know, go further back, like Cara Beth Burnside is the only token woman or somebody from a different gender on the team. But, you know, seriously, now when I turn up to a skate park, it's pretty hard not to run into a meetup of, you know, maybe not, you know, like a small town, you know, in, in sort of, you know, the Midwest or somewhere, but definitely it's increasingly easy to find people that, you know, take you out of that conversation of just cis dudes. So even if you only session and hang with his dude, it doesn't take long just to like click on Instagram and think, well, you know, what's Brianna King's meetup? What's she talking about? Or whoever, you know. So I think, yeah, just that has to be reflected in the magazine. It has to be reflected in, you know, like who goes in films, who's working in industry. So you don't have to call in, you know, minorities to do the work either. Like they're, they're there and they're shaping the stuff. So I think that's important. But also, yeah, I think it is important to talk to the cis dudes and say, you know, 
what, what, what's your response when something like this happens? And that's what we want to do with this interview series as well. Like get the conversation, we call them convos, get the convo happening, get the conversation out there and just getting, yeah, like, you know, like man talk as well, bro talk yeah. or whatever. Well, my question is, I am uh, the only bachelor on uh, the crew of this podcast. So along those lines, you know, shit has changed a lot. What are some helpful hints for bachelors out there kind of navigating single life in uh, 2021? <laughs> Yeah, so it's such a good question. Hey, these are the type of conversations that, you know, we need to have. Again, it's like way uh, neglected in most consent stuff. So, you know, I have, have lots of friends and they've, they've been offended because maybe they've skated with somebody and then afterwards they've received a, a text that's asking them something or sending a picture or whatever. Like, And it's, you know, in, in some contexts, you know, um, it's it's fine, but in others it's it looks creepy or it looks invasive. So... Um, one of the, and you know, this is no reflection of you, but like just for single people trying to meet other people and maybe they're attracted to them, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I, I, I feel like I'd be interested in, you know, maybe dating you, but it's also cool if you just want to be a friend, you know, would you, would you yeah. feel okay with me asking to a movie? And there's literally no problem with lots of zeros, like no problem if you don't. Like it's literally not that, that thing about consent and coercion, you know, is like I'm guilting, like, oh, you know, like I better do this because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Like this one puts the agent, um, you know, puts the choices back with the person. So that can really help. Um, cause, yeah, I, went, I went skateboarding with somebody and I, was, I like to skate with um, older people. Hey, because I'm older. And um, afterwards they sent me a message saying, you know, I love skateboarding with women. And then they put the next sentence and it's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would never. No, <laughs> no, no, not you. But like, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, like if you're like a single man and you're trying to, you know, like, you know, that's it's not sending like a picture of you, you know, with no clothes on or anything. But at the same time, it's like, you know, well, it would have been better maybe just to say, uh, you know, like, yeah, just be honest. I'm a single person. You know, are you interested in me? Or you know, let's just skate if not. Like literally, just not putting pressure that you have to be please somebody. You know, and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, also, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, um, you know, I think just boundaries and uh, respectful honesty is always good, hey. Yeah, I mean, as I, the way I look at it, like, as long as you, like, shoot your shot in good faith, yeah, it's pretty easy to interpret body language. Like, if she, if she doesn't look at you, that's bad. If she looks at her phone, like, that's not a good sign either. If she talk, looks to, to her friend and, like, laughs, not a good sign either. Like, you know, move on, so... And also, yeah, just saying, <laughs> also just saying, hey, I'm going to be, you know, I think you're rad. I'm going to be skating over here. Come and, come and skate with me if you feel like it. And then move. <laughs> move yeah, yeah. And then it's like, okay, I think he's rad too. I'm going to like move over and, you know, skate with him or something. Like different, different levels of consent as well. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of like, you know, good faith that's the, and, and honesty that's needed as well. If you're honest to somebody, then most of the time you can't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Um, also, another question. We talked about, like, consent and whatnot before. And um, a big part of escape videography throughout the years has been, like, capturing the street life yep. element. And um, what's your take on certain videographers who, you know, video women walking down the street without their consent? Yeah, I think, you know, de definitely when I speak to the younger skaters, they're, they're super keen on moving past that. They might yeah, feel better yeah. at, ironically, like, hey, you know, I'm going to make a, a, you know, a Supreme video, like, you know, and it's a joke because they, they realize how cheesy it is. And I think yeah, yeah. 
a lot of this stuff's just being called out as corny and creepy and sleazy and just being called for what it is. So same with, you know, like the King of the Road, you know, like I used to look forward to that. I, I feel like I've internalised a lot of weird stuff. And, you know, there's challenges of like women as prizes, like let's kiss as many, you know, women and it's consensual, but it's, it's you know, it's it's just not where skateboarders, it, it doesn't include women as skateboarders, it's something else, right? So I think um, understanding that in its context at the time, it was probably very shitty or very bad back then. But also, you know, there's there's just so many uh, women and non-binary skaters and skaters of all sexualities. They're just going to like, they're strong people. They're just going to say, hey, that's like, you know, that's not great. That's really bad. You don't need to do that. You know, that's wrong. That's criminal. Whatever they, they feel, they're just going to say it now because there's more of them and it's easy for them to speak out. So I think the, the that sort of boys will be boys stuff and the things that were meant to be funny, it just got stale and it's, you know, like uh, we had videos here where people upskirt people and I think, you know, like seriously, we're, you know, we've got so many great skateboarders again. It's like the less Lee's more stoke. The consent is rad. Yeah. I mean, like shit's changed in the past 15 years. Like I'm just thinking about like Jersey Shore, like with uh, Ron and Sam, like it was funny at the time, but I was watching it the other day. It was like, this is almost like borderline DV, you yeah. know, it's crazy. And people so, are moving yeah. too. Yeah. Like um, enjoy you know, they had like a board with, um, you know, no means yes or something. And, you know. Yeah, they had a bunch of ads like that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, Louis Valletta sort of messaged me and said, hey, you know, we, we don't use that designer and we're not about that anymore. And, you know, reach out to me if you want to talk about it. Because it's like people will talk about it <laughs> as well. You know, like you've got so much choice now when you're going into skateboard and buy a board or whatever. Like there's just... It's just other choices you can make now that, that, you know, like the market itself will probably speak on that one as well. The market's yeah, yeah. changed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We've talked, on, we've talked on the pod about Big Brother magazine. We've talked about old world graphics. And it's interesting when there's people who reflect on it and complain that, oh, if that came out now, you, can you imagine the outrage? There'd be a slap thread 100 pages long. It's just like things change. Culture changes. And newsflash there's been a huge cultural shift, not just in skateboarding, but just like looking at movies. There's been a ton of, you know, ton of articles that have come out going back on like a bunch of terrible 80s and 90s comedies and being like, oh, this scene in uh, Revenge of the Nerds is basically date rape or <laughs> like we could go on all day yeah, yeah. about a bunch of stuff that used to be uh, here in the US on Comedy Central, like 24-7 for most of the 1990s. Never mind skateboarding because skateboarding, you know, if we're looking at it as a form of creative expression it's always going to be reflective of the mainstream culture at large no yeah. matter how much people want to call it a rebel activity yeah. there's going to be aspects of skating which reflect regular mainstream america and yeah i mean jason and you make such great points about it and you know it's not about not you know having things that are like sexy or funny or satirical but you know a good satire should mean something you know it's just skateboarders are really creative it's like you know just they can you can like you're going to run with something there's better there's so much you can run with and it's shown that it's popular like you know when I started you you wouldn't have had somebody like Princess Marby or glue skateboards or you know people that are really really popular and you've got I, I thought like with the Olympics you know like the the conversations between the men was a little different from the conversations between women and non-binary skaters and it showed itself when you know Poppy Olsen and everybody picked up, you know, the um, skateboarder that came forth. Sort of, yeah. you know, I think people want to hate on people like, you know, Skate Moss and, you know, most of the skateboarders from the women and queer and, you know, non-binary skateboarder community, 
said, you know, we don't want to pick on her. She can just do what she wants. So, you know, we've sort of gone from that, you know, post a clip and you're a bit different from whatever course skater is up to and everyone tells you to make a sandwich or go back in the kitchen to now having like, you know, I'm, I'm showing like a, a, we had like a, you know, some sort of an event and we had a video by Princess Marby and there were some dudes and it's like, oh, who's that? And it's like, oh, that's Princess Marby, you know, and they're like, oh, sweet. Like, it was just not even a big deal. It wasn't like special. Like, hey, check this out. It was literally just, yeah, you know, skateboarder, sick. This is really good skating. This is really entertaining, interesting, and I'm stoked by it. So I think that's really important. We're just uh, not stoked on looking at that, you know, corniness from the past. Who, who is elsewhere. hating on Skate Moss? Um, so, you know, you can, you can look at a lot of Skate Moss clips and, um, you know, we've got all sorts of people on Consenters Reddit and I'm really happy to have there. So we've got, like, the founder of Girls Tread. And, you know, she spoke at Pushing Borders about how much hate they get when women that present very feminine or people that, you know, express femininity skateboard. There's still, like, the, you know, a lot of comments here and there from people in their, you know, in their world where they feel that's, that's good. And, you know, I guess it was just more because we have different kinds of skateboarders now, so we have people that are models that skateboard as well. Uh, really just letting everybody have their space. It's like skateboarding doesn't have to be restricted to, you know, uh, being skater of the year and thrasher. Skateboarding might be, you know, Stephanie Nerding or somebody that just wants to create really cool fashion you know, and they make these really great pants, you know, is it a mama skate or somebody like, there's just so much out there, you know. Oh, uh, you just say, you just said the magic word. <laughs> pants. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, That's right. But who can argue against good pants? No one. It's, it's, it's weird. It, it, like there's something, and I think it's, people are very brave on the internet. They'll say anything. They really will. Like they, you know, people will jump in the comments and say all kinds of things. Although I, I am certainly not the type to say like, uh, if you all want something, want to say something, like roll up and uh, let's fight because <laughs> they do. I'm, yeah, a grown, hey. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown man with bills. Those days are long behind me. <laughs> I'm, I'm super grateful to a friend who actually did that to somebody. They were harassing me, and my, you know, a lot of my work friends did nothing. Like, oh, that's bad. Whereas, yeah, a lot of my friends that you know don't mind a bit of a blue are straight in there and you know message them like you know come down here now and like you know say that to me and like just got in there and like if I ever see you near Indy you know like it's going to be trouble stay away from her like you know don't talk to her none of that and it's it's that grassroots on the ground stuff that really helps you know it's that training in you know like over at some big skate brands <laughs> not going to help me when I rock up to my park but my mate saying you know like right here right now or anytime you know you harass the women you're going to pay and like obviously I'm not condoning violence but that just that that straightforward actions really really I mean in that instance I don't know I got I think we should give a shout out to everybody who keeps it keeps it 1999 <laughs> <laughs> and it is it, and is ready to uh roll up their sleeves and uh <laughs> and get down I mean, skateboarding's friendly now too. Like, I, you know, definitely that whole thing about you know locals only, and like you rock up to a park and everyone's going to vibe you still happens. But I think, you know, just um, dealing with the now, you know, like so much when we talk about an issue, and to to quote a um, indigenous scholar here, Professor Josiah Watego, on racism is like, you know, we we think of racism not as the now. It's either like the victims are hoping for the future. And the perpetrators are like reflecting on their past and how they got there. But sometimes you need the now. So same with consent, like what's now is also useful. But yeah, no, don't, not telling you to go out and get in the blue, Patrick. <laughs> got, there's many ways to go around this and that's not always uh, going to be, yeah, there's, there's not sustainable. You can't fight every time you go to the park. No, but if you have somebody on your team, in your crew, who's ready, <laughs> you're going to be better prepared for life. I'm just saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh -huh.
Um, one more thing about the Olympics, which you mentioned before, um, about like the difference between the interaction between the men's competitors and the women's competitors. Like, what was your take about the women's events, like overall, like the coverage, like how it went down, all that stuff? Yeah. So there's um, been some really, really good um, reflections out there on, say, Skate Twitter and, um, you know, people writing about what happened at the Olympics. And I really like some of the people that were interviewed like Yulin Oliver, who's an agent for Leo Baker, and they're an agent for, I think, Maria Duran and quite a few of the skateboarders out there, Bryce as well. You know, Yulin is sort of saying that, you know, for skateboarders don't need the Olympics, the Olympics need skateboarders. So that's a really important yeah. thing. Uh, there's a really good interview with uh, the founder of Kell magazine, uh, Adriana Konisberg, I think. And um, again, you know, she sort of ran through that, women aren't used to this kind of attention. They're certainly not used to sort of being, having the, their flights paid for. You know, there's been thousands and thousands of X Games and Red Bull and whatever where, you know, the men have their air tickets paid for, but women and non-binary skaters are, are lucky to get, you know, their lunch paid for. So I think it was like just good to see appreciation for what they do and being recognized for it. Like when I started skateboarding in 2014, it seems like a long time ago, but when you think about some of the bad things that happened, it's like, oh, too close. Again, it's like the, they would film the men's and women's divisions and only show the men's division in the, you know, the, the wrap-ups of the day. And you literally think, my gosh, like why couldn't you have just even put in one skater? Like, so these things are, are pretty thrilling, to be honest, for I think skateboarders that don't get um, much footage. And they kept it real, I thought. So, you know, you've got um, Alexis Sablone flipping the bird, you know, um, Alana Smith, you know, with um, their board saying they, them, their pronouns. And again, like, you know, um, I, I sort of, you know, posted something where I said, you know, like, um, you know, skateboarders will change the Olympics, not the other way around. And I felt that the women and non-binary skateboarders did that. Uh, certainly, there's some really young skateboarders there. They're only 13 or something. And, you know, that's that's different again. But the sort of care that they showed towards each other and, you know, even like a lot of people hate on, you know, some of those younger skateboarders where clearly they're, they're a brand as well as a little young person and an extremely good skateboarder. But even when they were interviewed, they said, you know, I just wanted to get my trick. I didn't care necessary for the medal. I just wanted to finish my run and get that trick. And we all relate to that. So I thought, yeah, that was definitely the opposite energy from that jock energy drink vibe that we could you know talk about for a long time but we yeah. like, don't want to waste our time <laughs> with the other and you did last episode maybe so you know I think there was there was decent decent coverage and yeah you know they didn't even show like we won't remember the winners so much and no, no hate on them but definitely we remember uh that scene of um Popios and everybody else carrying uh their their, their peer around that was a super big memory for sure so what can we as uh, skaters out in, the, out in the streets do to um, be better allies? Okay, so um, if you have the resources, you have platforms, you have connections, uh, all these things help get the word out about consent. So it doesn't necessarily have to be consent is rad, but, you know, if you've got a friend that's a journalist, you've got like a skate platform, you know, somebody like, you know, Rick McCrank just posing with a sign just meant so much to us because, you know, of what, what kind of audience he has built up. Uh, literally just writing it on your board, showing other people at the park, like, huh, what's that? Starts a conversation. So big, big names, everybody that skates, you know, little gestures on your board to, you know, saying, hey, big skate company, you implement that. 
all those conversations are really important. So just um, check Consenus Red on the Instagram, look at the Insta stories for resources, check out the website of what kind of, you know, people are out there writing about it, offering, you know, resources and support services and just um, get in touch and, you know, really see how we can collaborate because it means a lot. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. And all that stuff will be linked in the show notes. So listeners, if you want more, it'll be there. In Uma Landsled's new video, Punch a Hole in the Sky, we finally get to see Evan Smith's Bay Bridge Ollie and a lot more. Jason, how does this video position Uma in this day and age? Yeah, what's Uma's uh, brand narrative, as they say in the biz? I'd, I'd say their target market is like, you know, your skater who's into both psychedelics and technical skating. Another way of looking at it is kind of like anti-hero with a, like a 2021 mushroom vibe instead of like a uh, like a pre-IPO SF junkie vibe or like a more edgy Santa Cruz, like very Cali energy. Like you got some bowls, you got some of those crazy ditches, you got some schools, you got some rails. So yeah, kind of like a create, like a little more edgy or creative type type of Santa Cruz type vibe, I think. Yeah, wild. I, I didn't think of any of those, but I think you nailed it. I guess there's something I was thinking about, like a bunch of people on Uma were all, they all left or were let go from elements like uh, Maite, obviously Evan Smith. I think John Minor had done some stuff at Element as well. And it's kind of like, it makes me feel sad. It's like Element could have, Element could have done a video like this, like their peace video could have been this. Peace. And there's something there's something frustrating about the fact that Element had these skaters who obviously have this kind of this sort of weirdo like, hey, we're going to go take mushrooms and hang out in Santa Cruz for the night. Y'all come. That would have been an amazing pivot from their whole like corporate mall thing that they've been doing for the better half of like 15 years. And I think John Minor is an amazing uh, an amazing filmer, a great editor. Um, it's sick. I will say this, though. The footage of Evan Smith's Bay Bridge Ollie is nowhere nearly as good as the Thrasher photo. Mm-hmm. The photo leaves so much the imagination. You're looking at it and saying like, my God, how did he do this? Whereas with the video where you clip from, um, you know, you have footage um, that was poached from, I think it was like that comedian when we had Alex Papke on the show and he talked to us about uh, taking the photo and like getting arrested and being, you know, hemmed up for it for a couple of hours. It just seems so much more exciting. The video, just like, okay, cool, yeah, great. This is going to be cut up and thrown on someone's Instagram, and then I'm not going to give a shit. Whereas the photo, it's like, peep that. Like, and there's not, there's all, like, the only thing that's on the uh, the cover is just uh, the Thrasher logo, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I think that's a case of like where having the photo come out before the footage really matters, you know? Like, because I, I think that if we'd seen the footage before the photo, we'd be like, huh, that's a pretty cool photo. But, like, with all that mystery, it's, it's got, like, a lot of power. Dr. Willing, your two cents? Like, literally, no one, no one in Australia calls me Dr. Willing because we're just so dumb. <laughs> we're just really casual here. I'm like, oh, who's that? That sounds like somebody I know. So, um, yeah, I'll go to a weird story very quickly that when you told me, you, Patrick sent me the link. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to watch this and I'm uh, going to leave it to everybody else to sort of analyze the tricks and so on. But, but hey, that, you know... This all looks very familiar. And then I realized I went to a premiere event in Australia and Evan Smith was there. And at the time, I didn't know who he was, right? This is like a premiere and opening for a local store. And I was pretty new to skating and I just wanted this burrito and there was only one left. And there was Evan Smith and myself looking at it. I thought, okay, it's on. 
<laughs> and had I known he's like the super famous pro skater with, I don't know, Dizzy Shooter Reels and back then, I was like, oh, you have the burrito, you know, but at the time I'm like, hey, you know, like, who's going to get it? And then I was still nice and I think I, I let him have it, but like, it just sort of brought that memory back to me, like, hey, you know, like, I remember that that time that, you know, um, yeah, you get these like interactions with people and you think that's, that's, you know, a big indication of their character as well. Like they're pretty friendly and talk to everybody, but he didn't share the burrito. He didn't say, hey, I know you wanted that. I'm going to have it. I'm like, you know, come on. But I'm sure he would now that he's, you know, if he ever hears this. So, yeah, it was a really great psychedelic video. And it sort of just reminded me of, you know, the kind of vibes you got when you're watching a Shane Cross video or, you know, Lewis Marnell being Australian. I, these are my references for skateboarding and just kind of, you know, really different kind of um, – editing these days where it's fun it's not too serious it's not sort of david gonzalez kind of you know animal it's kind of just you know, chill <laughs> like you know we're like we're still going to do some really you know technical stuff and we're going to like do some really big you know pools and whatever but yeah i just sort of like that that gentle i'm, I'm i know jason sort of summed up better <laughs> the various drugs but yeah really nice vibe and everything and of course the skating by mighty is just so good so yeah she's so good i i I don't know what it is. I turn 40 next year and I, I wish I had that kind of like lust for life. I feel like, I don't know what happens that you just become jaded. Like she, she looks like she's having so much fun on a skateboard and like shame on anybody who hates on her for like, she always has like a big smile on her face. And mm. she has one of those big smiles where like you figure that this is a person that if you're skating with them, they'll be smiling and you'll, and you'll just be like, oh yeah, yeah. You just like, you'll have a big grin on your face too, just by watching them skate. and. Yeah, like I, like, I guess I wondered, like, what Uma Lanslas was going to be when, you know, when it was announced. And what's weird is that, does this kind of give you all, like, a 90s kind of vibe? Like, you know, like, companies would be announced back in the day, and then a video would come out, and, like, oh, then the gears would start turning in your head. Whereas, you know, it feels kind of like now, like, it doesn't, you know, you don't get the same sort of sentiment when a new company is announced and then they release a video and then things all click together. Or, or am I just misremembering the night, the whole nineties? Jason, you want to take this one? Wait, wait, what was, what was, what was it like in the nineties? Like, what are you comparing the nineties to like the way companies were starting? Like you hear the announcement for a company or you read about right. it, like let's say it'd be, it would be in a slap or a thrash or a trans world. Yeah. And you'd be kind of like, you'd see an ad. Because right. back then it was just pretty much ads, right? Maybe you'd see like a little clip in a 411 and then a video would come out right. and then the gears would start turning. You'd feel like, oh, okay, I get it. It all comes together. And I haven't felt that in a while when it comes to a company announcement. It almost feels like a lot more companies come out almost fully formed in a way. And this, it kind of felt like a slow roll. Like, oh, now, like yeah. now it makes sense. Yeah, I hear you. Kind of like with plan B, like you'd see like one ad then it had another like teaser type ad. Then they had out the whole team, mm-hmm. and they add some more people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hear that. It was it was kind of like that. Like yeah, the whole rollout has been pretty like decent. Like as if I've had boards in my local, and uh, back to Evan Smith. It's cool that uh, Wes Kramer is in the video too because both of them. I mentioned this before. They're both on kind of like the Jedi Master, like Julian Stranger level of skating when. When they can do pretty much anything they want, like any tech, rail, bowl, like whatever. Um, when I saw them together in the video, I was like, oh man, I feel bad for the, the DC team manager. Like having to manage them, <laughs> them together seems like a big task. But I think that they're probably both so lovable that you just kind of let it slide. Yeah. But it, it seems like a lot. Or it they would seem be like. A lot. 
they seem like the ones who would give you the, like was it the what they call it uh, the three a.m. phone call and just like hey it's Evan don't worry about me but just I need you to listen for the next five minutes okay <laughs> actually it's weird too like Evan Smith has really grown on me and I still feel like it's kind of weird that he's on DC do you all get that impression like I feel like he should be on like on a Vans or something like that yeah I was I was trying to pay it i was paying attention to the shoes he was wearing they didn't look like any dc that i would recognize but i know he has his own like vegan pro model or whatever so it looked for like like those black those black mid tops he was wearing a lot of the time that was probably some variation on on those this like 2016 when he came out here and it was like a dc tour where they went to japan and australia and you know everyone's impression was just such a cool person you know really really chill so yeah, yeah, definitely. It makes sense that you talk about, I don't know, vegan shoes or something. <laughs> just makes his, sense. Even his music has kind of grown on me because I, I have previously complained that um, he has skated some pretty crappy music. So I don't know if that's all been him. I know for this, for this one, it's definitely him. It's definitely his original music. And I was like, okay, this is not bad. Because like, I think back to like, we, we talked about that, um, the Etnies video that came out a few years ago, album, where incredible skating was pretty much undermined by a dreadful original soundtrack they got a bunch of skaters together uh who all do different types of music and it just didn't work and it actually made the video forgettable which is a shame because like i went to the premiere the skating was sick everyone was really stoked but i couldn't tell you a thing about it which is on them not on me <laughs> yeah yeah also that was a video that you had to buy and i don't think that etnies has the the cachet that people are willing to put down some money to see that video which is unfortunate. Oh, not. I think you can watch what? that video now on the Red Bull site. What? You mean buy a skate video? In, <laughs> right, like buy a skate economy? video? Nobody does that. And also buy in an this economy? video? No. Yeah, in this economy? It's not, I don't think it's so. not 1996. I'm not buying a, a copy of Hi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, mean, like, I thought on. the music was good. Like that, the, oh, opening, the music was good. The opening felt a whole lot like the opening to the Alien Workshop cinematographer project which I went back and watched this morning. And Man, that, that, that section is fucking heavy. Yeah. It's um, an all timer. For sure. And there's in that intro, there's like a very similar like pacing. And also there's a clip of Dylan Reader doing a backsmith in a pool, just like there's a clip of somebody doing a backsmith in a pool in this Uma opening. And it's shot on film in both instances. It's just like a really an interesting like corollary. And maybe it's just accidental or could be a reference. I don't know. I, I think it's a reference. I think it's a nice, it's a nice nod. And um, I, I'm not sure who's stocking Uma in LA. I'm sure, um, obviously somebody has their boards, but I guess like that's, that's probably, I think that's been a challenge in like the last year because everybody was experiencing a material shortage, raw material shortage. So uh, a lot of board companies, truck companies, wheel companies stopped production for about three months last year. And then for much of 2020 and into 2021, stuff was just on back order. So, you know, I can imagine like the frustration of like you start a new company and then, you know, your wood shop, your generator, your BBS, whoever, just like, nah, homie, like we're on back order for like seven months. You can take a number. I mean, right. what, what's going to be especially hard instance? for a new brand because they're, they're like, don't have an established um, account. You know, they're like, sorry, Uma, we can't get to yours. We're, we're making elements boards right now. Because mm -hmm. they're, you know, they order big numbers and have been a good customer for you know decades. Yeah, that, well, the ultimate cruelty there, considering how many X Element riders are on Uma. Right. I mean, 
I mean, Uma is born out of Element. Like Mark Folkstein, who used to run Element, is running Uma. So it's aha. Okay, so there is a formalized correlation. I mean, Doctor Willing, what's been good down down under? I mean, have y'all been experiencing like board shortages, wheel shortages, truck shortages? Like, I mean, I know like in terms of like shipping, like it takes forever for y'all to get Thrasher because um, yeah, still waiting on some Thrasher. Such an island out here, and it's really nice to have that kind of isolation in some ways because we've had a lot of freedom to move around. Our COVID rates are pretty low compared to, you know, somewhere like the UK where it's, you know, very, very serious and people just can't move around. Every now and then, you know, we're pretty compliant people. We just like, if we're told to go into lockdown, we do. And told to wear masks, it's, you know, hopefully most people do. And, um, yeah, so uh, a lot of people have been um, complaining about supplies and a lot of businesses do really worry a lot of skate businesses mainly from the united states that people will order from these sort of independent companies like i was talking to the co-founder of proper now and she she's the you know um, first black woman-owned skateboarding business super super really interesting boards and art so beyonce was photographed with a one of her products right blew up went viral she got all these orders but she couldn't get the she couldn't get the um, you know, materials to meet the orders and she was sort of sending people out like, I'm sorry, there's going to be like more of a delay and it was like the worst time to blow up because there wasn't the stock uh, with the boards and the clothes. And um, yeah, I sort of mentioned like, yeah, you know, like we ordered, you know, I ordered stuff. I was really excited and yeah, it took a while and there was no big deal here because everything takes about three months to come out here and, um, you know, half the time the skate parks are locked. So, you know, if you order a board and it's slow, that's fine. But uh, where we did notice was, um, we had a, a really nice company out here, Fast Times Skateboarding and Hard Times Distribution, gave us a whole bunch of boards to take and just share with like a community, regional community uh, with Indigenous skateboarders. And they were willing to give us the boards, but it was just such a long wait for those boards because of the wood. So, um, you know, just trying to rush that in time for Christmas for like, you know, like a, a Black Santa to give out the boards and just sort of holding your breath, like, is this going to happen? Like little things like that you kind of notice. And I think it's really rough just because the online business is doing so well during COVID. And yet people are going to have, you know, people need a lot of explaining, sorry that it's taking so long for you to get the stock. It's not that we're bad at business. It's just literally the stock can't be ordered or stuff. So, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Back to the music real quick. I agree. I think uh, Starhead Body has improved their musicianship over the past few years, over the past few Evan Smith video projects i think that might be the move like moving forward just like making your own music for your part mm-hmm. and you know in fact i think for for my upcoming part coming soon i, I think i'm just gonna string together a bunch of like white snake and docking riffs so i be it. i would be stoked to hear that <laughs> wait we, we can't move on that's that, no, 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 no 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 but that does like so basically jason are you telling me that you were gonna have a part that's basically gonna be like 1992 IROC Z or Mustang 5.0 music. Yeah, or even 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 I, I would even go like uh, yeah, like or 84 Pontiac Firebird. You know, shit. like I go like, oh my god. Sort of like you know, you know what I mean? Like you play like a white singer for like one minute, then go to like docking, and then go to like some Judas Priest or well, I don't think I'm gonna have a longer than three minute part, so I might <laughs> I might make it like whatever twenty seconds per riff, but I don't know. So that yeah. Claiming it. That's my plan for my music supervision for my part. <laughs> Three minutes is actually a pretty pretty healthy part for anybody that's, over that's 30. That's an extremely long part these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be too long. I might I might go with like the Scott Johnson rule and just do like a minute part. 
Yeah, no, that's sick. Minute part is sick. Um, was it, wait, Jason, was it you in the show notes who said, like, uh, this video reminded you of Song Remains the Same? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Some of, like, the vi- some of the visuals reminded me of Song Remains, like, the, uh, you know, the cheesy, like, drug visuals in Song Remains the Same. Like, like that one part in Song Remains the Same with, uh, when, like, with Jimmy Page, where, like, you're, you're, uh, the camera's, like, going up, and, like, Jimmy Page is, like, meditating in a field or something. And the camera goes up behind him, and Jimmy Page like turns around real quick, and his eyes are like shooting lasers out of him, like that you know that meme laser effect kind of like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. just some yeah, just some of those like <laughs> uh, drug type psychedelic effects kind of reminded me of that in a good way. In a good way, it's I could definitely I, I could definitely see that. Like it, it's it's a lane that maybe hasn't been explored as much as it should be. Like I don't know, like. Th- it's like yeah, the company's like they're they're like they're growing on me, and I mean maybe they'll. I mean, like, what, what's the next step for a company like this? Like, does somebody have to release like a a great solo part, or do like? Because it used to be like okay, you put out a cool video, then you go out on tour, and then you have some cool graphics that everyone's gonna want to buy. Like, what what's the game plan when you drop a cool video part, especially when COVID is still wilding? Like, people are going on tour, but not yeah, like they I think were. We need you know, parts. We need parts from. Probably Cody Chapman and new guy Roman Pibich. Pibich? Mm-hmm. Pibich? Yeah. I don't know how to say it. But he's sick. He's like one of the few park dudes who I feel like is tolerable to watch in a park and also his street skating feels honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, I, I, uh, I, I can't condone grabs on street. I can't condone kickflip grabs on street. Oh, man. The kickflip grab is, is trending. I thought that was sick. Yeah. Oh. oh, into into the crazy ditch. Into the ditch. I thought it was it's, sick. It's I mean, trending. Oh, <laughs> maybe, um, maybe like when he uh, when Cody Chapman kick flipped out a derby like over that gap. Maybe because like it's kind of a park. You're like on the boundary, but yeah, like really, like flipping your board and grabbing on street is that that's what's hot in the streets right now. I don't know if it's hot in the streets, but there was just like a ton <laughs> of them in uh, the Olympics. Oh, okay. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, and then it oh. popped up in this video too. <laughs> Maybe there's like different, like kind of just genres of skateboarding happening too. Like you know, show strawberry and um, oh, yeah, yeah. the glue, you know, video. Like a lot of other tricks that would have been illegal in the past, just sort of you know represented like in a really subversive way. You know, it's like yeah, you know, one minute like these tricks are like you know, I don't think anyone's gonna take this the next minute. You know, um, yeah, maybe the queer skateboarding scene embrace like quite a lot of the tricks, mix them up. It's, it, yeah, it's like a, I think there's just a different kind of a vibe again that may be influencing men's skateboarding. I don't know. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh. I mean, ca- I mean, case in point, the pressure flip in this video <laughs> down a giant gap. I, pr- pressure flips are hot in the streets, though. I do see a lot of them in when I'm out skating. So I ca- can confirm anecdotal evidence pressure flips are uh, what's are hot there, the are varial flips okay again or are they like still i think they're okay i, I mean there was a varial flip in the quarter snacks top 10 like last week it was the number mm-hmm. yeah know, it was I, like I think it, it, towards I think the top. it depends how you do them <laughs> i think yeah. yeah i think i think varial flips have finally gotten their they're not vi they haven't gotten their vip pass but they're definitely allowed in the club and <laughs> and indy that, that that's a great point that maybe in a way that you're going to have a generation, maybe not now, yeah. but there's going to be like a generation coming up of, of, of male skaters, male pro skaters, 
who are going to be a little bit less rule bound and going to be able to have a lot more fun because they are they're coming of age in a time when skating is a lot less uh, rigorous and a lot less like, dude, that's an illegal trick or like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, like that looks corny. It's kind of it's very much anything goes. And I mean, you're seeing a lot, a lot in L.A. that uh, people are becoming much more creative. And then interestingly enough, on the flip side in New York, it almost feels like New York has become much more regimented. Like people are, I think it's, I think it's, that's Carl Aikens. Carl Aikens bought that style out there. And I think he, he has raised the temperature. And I think there's a lot of skaters in New York who are like Carl Aikens, obviously Tyshawn and all them. Like it almost feels like it's like a new era for them. So maybe people are just trying different types of skating and are, are becoming a little bit more willing to experiment. And also, like you said, like skating has changed. Like there's, I'd like to think that there's room for everyone. I know that that's not always true in practice, but it's definitely way more open and accepting on so many levels than it was even 10 years ago, never mind in the mid-90s. Some people yeah. have, like, finesse, you know? Like, they do something yeah. with finesse, and it's like, okay. Like, you know, Brian Anderson doing something illegal is like, okay, you know? Yeah, it matters who does it, for sure. I think also there's just, like, a, a big media pressure where, like, you know, you can't just put out a three-minute video part every few years you got to pump the footage out on instagram constantly so you know it's like all right i did a kickflip last week so i got i guess i got to do a pressure flip now because i've done all the like standard standard things so i gotta keep branching out i mean yeah this this yeah i mean i think there's just room like the the social media world's really changed skateboarding as well like you can look at a skateboarder like Arin, aaron sorry and um yeah really tech and yeah, then you've got people like um, Princess Marby, you know, like bonelesses and stuff. So it's just um, just that variety. Like we don't need to be fed the same thing. And maybe the skateboarders themselves that have been, you know, a lot more sort of conscious of the the rules of that or what's a legal trick or whatever, kind of think, you know, that, that would be fun. I'm <laughs> going to do it. And, you know, people are like, hey, that was actually fun to watch as opposed to, you know, not really discerning every trick as being a, a hammer or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the whole illegal thing trick is funny because, like, when you think about it, it was basically like like five to seven fifteen year olds in San Francisco, like deciding the rules for the whole world. Know what I mean? Like in everyone, like in everyone's little scene, they were like, "Oh no, you lip, like lip now lip slides, dude. That's cut. This cut hand egg, egg, Are you kidding? Hand plants? That's cut. Get the fuck out of here. You know. I've still got a list though. I'm, I'm not going to front, but illegal, I got plenty of, list, plenty of illegal tricks on the list that are just, uh, there's some tricks that are like deal breakers. Like if that pops up in your video part, like I'm out. I'm not even going to keep watching if you if you bust a dolphin yeah. flip on me. The dolphin flip. <laughs> <laughs> so no, what's his face? Uh, Versace plug. And that, his, his, his parts are completely off limits. Jason, that's a uh, great no, piece I, of history. I actually really like Versace plug. And his dolphin yeah, flips Versa- look all right. But, Versace plugs. You know, it, it sounds like an a exception. hair almost though. It's like a, it's like, a like Templeton's secret list. Like who's gonna? We like play bingo, and when we see one on his list, it's like yeah. But, but like uh, uh, Jason, that's a great point about like so much of this culture of illegal tricks comes from EMB in the 1990s. Like street skating in the in the 90s was so inward facing and so cultish, and San Francisco had outsized influence. San Francisco street skating had an outsized interest uh, influence on the entire world, and it's only very recently that people have really been able to develop their own styles and their own scenes, and it's really cool. But what's yeah. what's strange though is that Instagram is kind of creating a funhouse mirror effect because all of a sudden, like you have like 
a bunch of kids in Texas who are wearing tracksuits and like they're dressed like roadman, you know, in East or South London, kind of like the palace, like the palace crew, which doesn't make any goddamn sense. But like, that's what they see on the internet. They think that's cool. Um, speaking of which, some friends of mine were talking about doing an entire, um, maybe like an entire segment in a video in tracksuits. And I am so here for it. Dude, More specifically, sick. velour tracksuits, like North Jersey style. Very sick. You got you got some uh, some some chains with that. I, Gold I, chains. I got a couple of chains. I got a couple with of the, chains with the with like with the zipper, like with the three like the quarter zip zipped all the way down, and like no shirt underneath. Oh hell yeah! I, I would be so down. Wait, uh, Indy, uh, is there a tracksuit culture? Is there tracksuit culture at all in Australia or, or no? Uh, I think it's um, just varies. It, you can have like, um, if I may, you can have like your everyday tracksuit. You can have your formal tracksuit. Velour is, you know, you want to impress. Uh, fleece is like comfortable. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a range. It's like you know, not all tracksuits are equal or serve the same purpose. But mm. um, yeah, it, it's actually where I'm. I'm the worst person to ask because I'm in Brisbane and it's really sweaty and tropical. So. Um, I get very jealous watching the pants discourse around of the long pants because it's just so hot here. We have to wear shorts, which is, um, again, like it's hard to look good in shorts. It's hard to make anything look good, you know, when if you're not a leg person, you don't want to show your legs. But like it's it's really hot up here. It's, you know, it's tropical. You sweat. So, yeah, tracksuits are like we get winter maybe for two weeks of the year. So if we want to rock that look, you've got a very short window to do it. And I'm here for it. <laughs> That's a pretty awesome win. Two weeks is pretty good. You can get a solid rotation of like four track suits. <laughs> Day, evening, weekend, special occasion, and at least one heavy <laughs> night one heavy night out. <laughs> Everybody in Australia will be stoked when tracksuit season hits. Which brings us to Go the on. end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Uh Dr. Indigo Willing, what are you stoked on this week? I'm kind of looking forward to my birthday, which is actually in October, but I'm thinking of what boards I might choose from. And there's like um, all these really great First Nation skateboard companies that we're seeing. So, um, you know, Apache Skateboards in Australia, you've got Spinifex, you've got Colonialism, and you've got these really powerful people like Joe Buffalo out there that are sort of talking about the history behind the graphic, which is something that I'm really, it's really important stuff. And um, yeah, you know, like Bianca Gearing on the cover of Thrash is pretty cool. And yeah. That's it. Patrick, what are you stoked on? Stoked on a lot. I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I am very stoked on that Kevin Bradley Nike commercial. Kevin Bradley is the patron saint of American skateboarding. He is really mm -hmm. the best. He's a natural on the camera. Somebody get that man a Hollywood agent. I'm actually stoked on Last Resort Shoes. I copped a pair and they're really comfortable. They feel really, 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 really good. Um, I got them on sale because I guess there's a, new, um, there's a new run that's about to come out. I'm very stoked on episode 15 of Skating is Hard, Giacomundo's podcast. It's called The Shoe Pant Check, and it features a bunch of the younger people from Skate Twitter, and they talk about everything. Nothing is off limits. So it's like Johnny, Tempest, Jay, Rose, Owen, Brooklyn, Sean, Isaiah, and Pablo. It's, uh, it's really funny. It's uh, about two hours long. I listened to it one afternoon when I was running errands in the San Fernando Valley. Like The traffic was that bad. So it's, it's that kind of listen, just like sit back. Uh, and lastly, I'm soaked on Cal Beachy's new book, The Most Fun Thing, which I'm definitely going to get a copy of and probably won't get to reading until fall because I've got a ton of other skateboard, skater-written books 
to get through in the next couple of weeks. But uh, Jason, what are you stoked on? Yeah, I too am stoked on Kyle's book. I got a copy of it. Um, I'm going to try to read it over the next month. I'm going to like push it to the front of the line on, on my book list. So I'll Dune. I was going to try to read Dune before the movie came out, but that'll have to wait. Anyway, um, stoked on venture truck team writer and uh, someone of whom we're a big fan on this podcast, Kevin Bilya, going pro for DGK. So Mazel Tov, stoked on that. Might have to go back down to an 18-inch board if, uh, if they got some at my local. It's like a fight in Philly's graphic course. Also stoked on another podcast that I just started getting caught up on, Vert Button. These guys uh, just like go back through all your favorite videos and just dissect them. Kind of like that thing on The Ringer, the rewatchables, where they rewatch like 80s movies and discuss them or whatever. So that's pretty tight, been getting caught up on that. And as the uh, official video game liaison of this podcast, um, I'm stoked on Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War Season 5, which drops tonight. Uh, a season in a video game is basically when they drop a whole lot of bunch of new content, content, like new maps, new guns. Pretty psyched. There's going to be a Tech 9 this season. Shout out to Beat Nuts. So I'll probably uh, go check that out sometime after this podcast wraps up recording. Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on hyper-local skateboarding. Uh, my time is pretty limited these days, so I've been skating like really close to home. And it's been interesting just like kind of looking at my surroundings in a new way. You know, you're, normally I kind of drive pretty far to go skate in the city, but out here in, and just like kind of ignore the suburbs. But I found like a really good slappy curb spot, a couple of really good bumps, and I got my eyes on a couple other things that uh, look pretty promising. So just just stoked on that. It's gotten me really stoked. Yeah, and also I, I got Kyle Beachy's book too. Uh, I got it a while ago. It's really good. Uh, and we're going to get Kyle on uh, sometime in like September. So yeah, move that book to the front of your reading list. That's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Dr. Indigo Willing, thanks so much for being on the show. Where can the people find you? Uh, if you're looking for Consent is Red, go to um, Insta. So consent underscore um, is underscore red. And yeah, check it out. Please share it. Thanks. And what about you? Where can the people find you? Me? Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm um, Indigo Welling. I think I don't know what I am, actually. I'm, I'm on Instagram, Good Willing Hunting. Bit of a play because I'm an orphan and I like a PhD, so I was like a play on goodwill hunting, but I'm not as smart and I'm not as attractive as whoever that actor was. So, yep, Instagram at Good Willing Hunting. Play on Dr. Willing. J- yeah, Jason, where can we find you? On the Instagram at Frozen and Carbonite on the twitter at carbonite1994 on xbox live carbonite 10101 and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com patrick where can the people find you y'all can find me on instagram at pkgongo on clubhouse at pkgongo and on twitter at colonel k speaks that's colonel like the military rank not like the popcorn colonel and also, it was Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting, and apparently Matt Damon doesn't bathe, so Hollywood stinks, literally. Uh, Templeton, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding and on Twitter at Mostly Skate. 
We'll see you guys next week. Later. Be safe, though.